Welcome to Bethel Cleveland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information on this podcast and other resources, please go to BethelCleveland.com. Okay, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. As you know, I love Ephesians. I love Ephesians. This is probably the benchmark epistle letter in the New Testament for a number of reasons. It lays out a clear theology, a, a theology of understanding of who Christ is in the first three chapters, the mystical mystery aspect of Jesus Christ. The second three chapters are a practitioner's guide on how to walk the mysteries of Christ in a normal world. How many of you have ever thought about that? How would I do this thing called Jesus following Christianity in this world? I mean, there's a real world out there. There's evil people out there and evil organizations. And there always has been. But in Christ, we step into something that is new in Christ. We put on Christ. What does that look like? It's very practical. Some, of us, some people out there, a lot of Christians in America, I know we're doing this because supposedly over 80% of America are Christians. If that was true, we'd live in a very different kind of country. So my gut feeling is there's a whole bunch of them that are posers. <laughs> Hopefully I'm not one of them. There's a whole bunch of them out there that are posers, you know, and they, they've kind of, they got the fire insurance to keep them out of hell, but, but they haven't figured out this influence of the Spirit of Christ on your life. It can change your mentality. It can change your actions. It can change and shape your very emotions. It will restore a broken family. It will restore a, a dried up marriage. And apparently there's a bunch of those out there from what I hear. He will touch it. He will change it. He changes it by changing you. And you step into the Bible's words are you put on Christ. You put off the old life. It's like a garment you just take off. And now you put on Christ and you don't put it on just Sunday morning for an hour and a half. You put it on and you wear Christ. You are being shaped into the image of Christ. I talked to Marco, Mike, Michael Kulianis this week. The name of his ministry is Jesus' image. It's about being shaped in the image of Christ. We are always eternally being shaped in the image of Christ as we behold him and as we put him on. So I really want to encourage you that's a right plotted right in the middle of chapter two, which is in the mystical part of Ephesians, there are some practical steps in there, and he talks about something. In fact, do we have the Maxwell video back there? Can we watch this a minute? This is volunteer month. I want to just show this real quick. Let's put Maxwell up there. He'll tell you what to do. First, they put a mean crown on him, and they, Jesus carried a cross and put it on a hill, and they threw his hands and feet, and he died on the cross, and then he went on that walk, and they sealed it up. Really? Mm-hmm. And then what happened? Well, he rose from the dead. Isn't that so cool? That was really good, Max. Right, where where'd you learn all of that? My memory verse. Your memory verse? Mm-hmm. From where? From. <laughs> All right, there's my advertisement for the day. 
This is volunteer month. If you want to shape children like that, to understand the things of Christ, help us in our children's ministry here and at Middleburg campus as we continue to expand that. So a great job. I love that. You know, there's something powerful. I should have brought a sucker up here. Something powerful about waving that sucker as you're talking about the gospel. It uh, has an effect. Remind me, Cindy, write that down. We'll do that next week. Okay, so Ephesians chapter 2, we drop into this. And by the way, this video impacted me, not just because he's my grandson, although that was a big one. It impacted me because I thought, wow, he's four years old. That's pretty good. I want to shape our children. I mean, there's a lot of people wanting to shape your children out there. Let me just tell you right now be a critical race theory and other things I don't even know about. In fact, until the, it's funny, all the stats are talking about how blown up parents were during COVID because they started to see, with COVID being not live but Zoom, uh, they started seeing what they were being taught and, and parents started freaking out all the way across the country. I mean, your children are being shaped by those that are outside the house as soon as you send them out there. And so there's a solid rock development that needs to happen in your kids from the family. The church obviously will assist in that, will help you in whatever way you can, but we want to train parents, we want to train children, we want to train you through so that you can withstand and walk as a Jesus image person throughout your entire life on, on this place called planet Earth. We're being shaped by the Lord. He is coming in every Sunday morning and he's tweaking and changing and ministering as you behold the Lord. So in Ephesians chapter two, this pops in. This is the We've got to understand there's a nomadic life out there. And prior to Christ, you were a nomad. doesn't matter if you stayed in one place your whole life. You were a spiritual nomad. And Ephesians 2 kind of points to this. So does the meta-narrative of all Scripture. It says this in Ephesians 2, verse 12. Remember, everyone here remember? Remember that you were at that time separated. Everyone say separated. Yeah, from Christ. You were separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. This is the thing that's been impacting me lately. When I see people I do not know, I'm thinking in my mind, if they do not know Jesus, they are without hope, period. If you believe scripture and you believe what God says, you realize they're strangers, They're alienated. They do not know until someone tells them, it says in Romans. How will they know unless they send a preacher? Guess what? You are called to be an ambassador of Christ. You are called to be a preacher. You are called to be a part of a religion called Christianity that engages in the world that's around them. And the early church was very much like that. For 2,000 years, we've been struggling to, to grasp and gather in a church that is like the New Testament church, the first century church, and beyond. Because it wasn't just about the Gospels, there's this book of Acts. And I love, I saw a church recently, what's the last chapter of Acts? Is it, I'm forgetting now, is it 20, 28? Yeah, this church I know that's called Acts 29. So the church beyond the book of Acts. That we're stepping in right now in the 21st century, I don't know what chapter we're in right now, we're stepping and continuing into the whole understanding of who Jesus is, who his Holy Spirit, who's the revealer of Jesus Christ, and where we're going. So we are separated without hope, without God, we are wandering. The Bible says even from the beginning, the world was without form and void. But the, the word of light, when Jesus said, let there be light, 
The Bible says in Hebrews that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Did you know that you are called, Jesus said, you are the light of the world? And then when you step out Sunday morning, literally, and I've been to churches that say, you know, the back door, it's got a big sign that says, entering the mission field. In other words, after the service, you're leaving this safe haven, this refuge, where people traditionally are supposed to love one another in this place, love one another, you're learning, you're being equipped, you're being charged up, you had an encounter with God, and you're leaving like, bring it on. But then this thing happens called Monday morning. And bring it on just isn't the first thing you think of on Monday morning. So you get up, and, and typically we're moving into the mission when we leave with the people at the restaurant, whatever, and you're understanding, you're getting a revelation. These, many of these people are lost. And some of them are the lost sheep of Israel. They're Christians, but they wandered kind of from their faith, and the very image of Christ is seems to be fading in their public life because they live, basically, they got their fire insurance, but they're living their own life. And the Lord right now across America is dealing with sin at very deep levels. We've got governors that are shaking in their boots right now. We've got Supreme Court that are shaking in their boots right now. We've got presidents that are shaking right now, president that is shaking right now, and vice president. We've got people that are they're feeling the tremor of the times of transition in a postmodern world going further and further away from a Judeo-Christian understanding. And as you come away from that, you feel the separation. Yeah, I mean, you've been to a bonfire, right? And you get up there really close, you're roasting your marshmallows and you're roasting your forearm. <laughs> and you're like, oh man, this is hot, I gotta get away from here. The further away you go cooler it gets. And then you get out there and you're like, it's cold out here. And you get in closer to the fire. This is the rhythm of the church. We get away, we come in. We wander from love, the love line of Christ. We'll get into either legalism because that applies to the, the mental aspect of our minds and so we can judge others because of what we know from scripture. Or we get into licentiousness which is some kind of an extreme application of grace that doesn't account for the holiness of God. We live the lives we want to live, but we get out there, and I'm telling you, it's cold out there on the edges. But it's hot in the presence of God. We can't be lukewarm. We can't be in the middle. It says in Revelation, he'll spew us out of his mouth. I don't even know fully what that means but it doesn't sound good. I'd rather you be hot or cold, but not lukewarm. And so he's calling us to be hot Christians. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? I mean, you're gonna leave the service, you're gonna look at your husband, wives, you're gonna say, you are hot. <laughs> and it's gonna mean many different things to that individual. In the garden, there was that. Adam and Eve was a picture of the church. I mean, they didn't volunteer, but they were a part of it. They were part of the church. And they were tending to the beauty of the kingdom. It's, you know, Eden is a, a type, a real type. It is a picture of heaven on earth. It is a picture of God routinely walking through their midst in the cool of the day. It's routinely a picture of them tending and keeping what God's, that's why I'm a, I'm a bit of a green guy. I love nature and everything about it uh, because uh, I believe we're called to tend and keep. Well, a lot of Christians are like, it's all going to burn. It's all going to burn. So why can't I throw my McDonald's bag out the window? <laughs> well, as Christians, we mow our lawns. 
We don't throw our McDonald's bag or Starbucks cup out the window. No one's going to say it's not a big deal. I was behind a motorcycle recently. Guy just took his trash, threw it right there on the side of the road. I went, I felt it was the horn of heaven. (laughs) He looked back at me like, what? what?" And he gets off his bike, picks it up, puts it in a bag, looks back kind of like, you're happy now? And he gets back on his motorcycle. I'm an ambassador. I hate litter. Why? Because we have something that's bred within us that we are called with responsibility here. We plant trees not because we're tree huggers. We're Jesus huggers. He likes trees. He planted a garden. He hung out in the garden later on. In fact, the garden's a big meta-narrative in the Bible. It's, it's, there's all kinds of pictures like God means for our desert to become the garden of the Lord. That's out of Isaiah. That our desert of difficulty and challenge and nomadic living is transformed because we're nomads that have now come into a place of becoming builders. We settle in. I know you don't like the word. I don't like it either, but settler. I mean, my first two years in ministry, the guys that I ran with were big on, are you a, are you a settler or are you a pioneer? And all I knew was I didn't want to be a settler. I want to be a pioneer. But pioneers actually settle. Pioneers go out and, and, and blaze the trail but it's settlers that move in and create the cities. So there is an exploration part, and obviously we are wanderers in Christ. We're the peregrini as the Gentiles, or as the, uh, 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 the Irish said back in the sixth century, the peregrines were non-Romans, but they had this connotation of wanderers and wanderers, wanderers and wanderers. We're wandering and wandering, we're wandering and wandering. Well, then the Bible narrative, though, comes in because Abraham, who was in a city, became a wanderer so that he could find and seek. The Bible says in Hebrews, he was seeking for a city whose builder and maker was God. There's a yearning in every Christian to not just settle, but to establish. And Jesus, when he read out of Isaiah, of all the places he could have picked to read for his first sermon, when he's in the synagogue, he opens up to Isaiah 61. It wasn't Isaiah 61 at that time. There was no numbers, but it was Isaiah He pulled out the passage that we call Isaiah 61, and he began to read from it. And when he read from it, it was was a template of the life of Christ. Jesus said, follow me. Jesus said, call upon me. Jesus said, learn of me. And so when you follow and you learn of Jesus, Isaiah 61 becomes a big deal because it's his first sermon pick and he laid his life out as the life of Isaiah 61, which ended after a few verses. But the cool thing is in Isaiah, you can skip ahead to the end of Isaiah 61 and see where the trajectory of this life was going. The purpose of Christ in Isaiah 61 in the Old Testament is the purpose for every believer. And so it is that it might be anointed to preach the gospel to the poor. Tell the person next to you and say, I am a preacher. Just tell them that. <laughs> Not a lot of faith in that statement there. It sounded like, let's say it again, but say it like a preacher, all right? Get a little southern accent into it or something. I am a preacher. How would John the Baptist say it? I'm a preacher. No. I'm a preacher. No, I am a preacher. I'm a forerunner of Christ. I'm declaring the way of the Lord. So Jesus gets up and says, I'm anointed. The Spirit has anointed me to preach the gospel. And then he goes into a series of things 
about what it is and the great exchange of heaven and everything else and declare the year of favor. And he leaves out the day of judgment. That was the end of the reading. He knew there was a day of judgment. But really, following Christ is about the year of favor. That we're declaring to people who are alienated, who are separated, who are lost, who do not even know the love and purpose of God and are living at Kmart or wherever they might be, or not living there, but working at Kmart, working at Walmart, working in Starbucks, working in the factories, working in law offices and teachers and everything else that are out there, but they are still far from God until God calls them and they come in the kingdom and purposes of God. And God's called us as people who are the light of the world going out there into formless voids, even organizations. As we heard from Brendan a couple weeks ago, his organization that was bleeding out money all over the place, he went in and took a little nap and in the nap, the Holy Spirit gave him the solution to the problem, and now they're producing millions of dollars where they were losing millions of dollars. That's the life in Christ. I mean, that's exciting. Who, I mean, who would turn that down? But so much of American Christianity doesn't even acknowledge that aspect of Christianity. They don't believe that God's saying anything anymore, whatever he ever said. Can you imagine eternal God saying, this is all I'm ever going to say right here? It's all I'm ever going to do? No, he lays this out as a template, not upside down, but right side up. He lays it out as a template so that we can learn from it and go, wow. He even was outrageous enough to say, greater things you will do. I mean, you look at Scripture, it's pretty great. It's amazing. But that there's the chance, the opportunity that you can expand greatly, how does that happen? It takes you living a life that is fully given to the purposes of God, regardless of what your job is, regardless of where you live. Well, I live in Cleveland. It's kind of a hard place. You know, we don't live that. We don't win national championships other than one a couple of years back. But other than that, it's been like 50 years. I mean, we are losers. We can't. It's the, you know, we're the Rust Belt. We're the, we're the, uh, the mistake on the lake. We're the... We're, we're by a tower that's eerie, no, a tower that's terminal and a lake that's eerie. And, you know, we have all these little things that we talk about. You know, it's Cleveland, you know, I'm from Cleveland. I hate to even say it, you know. So if we, this is really the testing ground for whether this stuff works in the kingdom of God. Can God raise up a church here that's a part of his dream? He said, God, God dreams? Apparently, the prophet Graham Cook here in 1998 said that the church of God's dreams would be raised up in this city, yeah. Cleveland, in Cleveland. It hasn't happened yet. We're working on it. I mean, you've got to cooperate. You partner with God. But in our future, there is going to be a church here that, that mimics heaven. I'm not talking about just one singular church. I've got a lot of buddies, a lady, ladies that run churches and men that run churches we talk together, we get together, we hang out, we complain, but typically we encourage one another. And we leave encouraged and we stir one another. I've had a pastor call me this week, difficult challenge. I, I know what my goal was immediately when a pastor calls me. Stir them up, keep them into the fight, don't let them turn in their badge. We don't want to defund the pastors, we don't want to defund the churches. We want them out there because they're needed, because they're training. In Ephesians 4, they're equipping the saints for works of service. And so I'm going to read through this. 
And just to realize in Isaiah 61, where are we going? Well, verse 3 says, console those who mourn in Zion. Remember those who are separated, those who are alienated, those who are strangers to the gospel and the kingdom of Jesus Christ. We are called to console them who mourn in Zion, to give beauty for ashes, oil of joy for mourning, garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called nomads of righteousness. No. No, you didn't recognize it because it's not in Scripture. It says that they may be called trees of righteousness. Oh, the planting of the Lord. These are not, you know, uh, uh, trees in a little, what do you call it? In a, yeah, that's exactly. A planter, that's right, a planter. We're not planters. Where the Lord comes along and goes, okay, no. Because <laughs> you're limited when you're in a bucket. Yeah. Yeah. He's planted us. In soil, that doesn't mean you can't move somewhere else, but the connotations there is that the wandering is over, the alienation is over, now you are a part of the church, which by the way I believe is a gathering of believers, I know the church is universal, I know there's periods of times of transition, but if you're out there and you're not going to a local assembly, I believe you're missing something in God's purposes. Because he's got you, I can't go back to the church, I was wounded there. Who, let me just do a survey real quick. Who's ever been wounded by a church? Raise your hand. All right, good. We're all in good company. So, of course, you could get wounded by the Kiwanis. You could get wounded by work. I heard of a yoga community that had all kinds of problems in it. And they're all about peace and humming and everything else. But there, there was like treachery and, and, and violence and Drug, Cindy. Were you in the yoga community? Cindy's yelling out from the front row. <laughs> they were. I know what you're thinking about. <laughs> Drugs. All kinds of things out there. You're like, that's yoga? I don't think they'd be excited if they knew that was happening here. Well, the thing is, it's happening all over the world because it's people who are gathering together that are not really changing. They might lose a little weight. But they're still the same person in the soul. I guess the soul doesn't lose weight. You're still who you are, even though you weigh 20 pounds less. And so those are great things maybe to lose some weight. But in the kingdom of God, you're a follower of Jesus Christ. And now everywhere you go, there's beauty for ashes and joy for mourning. You go into a mourning situation, you learn how to, the thermostat thing, you, turn, you learn how to turn the temperature around. Because the very creator of the universe who speaks in the formless voids transitions things by speaking into it. You frame your word by the world by the words that you speak. And so it says here, trees of righteousness, planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. In other words, God is glorified in you being planted somewhere, even in a local church. We've got some people in this church who've been with us over 20 years. We're only 25 years old. People have been with, I bet people have been with me hanging out basically for 40 years in this church. Yeah, there's one of them right there. <laughs> I knew Kevin McNeely when he was just a young little man. He's not anymore, but he was then. So was I. <laughs> and so, yeah. So anyway, so, but we planted. I mean, someone the other day said, well, I, you know, I, a pastor actually told me, he said, I'm just, I'm, you know, there's so many better places to live, like Miami Beach. He's naming these places, you know. And, and I said, 
yeah, but you, you can't go there because this is where you were planted. I mean, obviously God opens doors and you shift and everything else. But overall, you, you put your heart and soul into this place. Bill Johnson prophesied over me once. I, know, I never see him as like a prophetic guy, but he, he has some powerful prophetic words. And he said, God's gonna bless you. He's talking to me. He said, you're gonna bless you because you've been the lover of one city. And I thought, that's true. I didn't plan on that, but here I am, you know. And I can't leave until he tells me to leave. It's not a career option. If it was a career option, I'd have gone 40 years ago. There's better options out there. I am here because of the promise of God that hangs over the city. So I planted myself on the planting of the Lord because he knows, where you will, he knows where your soil is and he knows where you will bear the best fruit for the type of tree that you are. And I believe that he's bearing fruit here in this city. I believe that we are the planting of the Lord just like other people around the city that said, I know it's tough, I know it's difficult, but we're gonna get through this and we're gonna see transformation happen every where we go. Because as you read on verse 4 of Isaiah 61, the theme begins to shift. I'm running out of time, so I'm going to have to tag this in the next week. But they shall, it says, they shall rebuild old ruins. So we are trees that are planted that build old ruins. There's mixed metaphors going on here. It's shifting things, shifting the ground. Hey, you're planted, but let me tell you, there's also an aspect of you that is planted for a purpose. And when you do that, you will, like Maxwell said up here, where did he get it from? From kids' ministry. From kids' ministry. Somebody volunteered in that situation. So when you plant yourself, you just don't plant as a pretty plant in the corner. I love when people come up front. I love when people paint in our meetings. I love when people lead worship. I love all the worship people we have. I love people greet us at the door. All these people are volunteers. I mean, they're people that say, you know what? I want to be a part of the planting of the Lord. I want to be a part of building something up. It says they will rebuild old ruins. They will raise up former desolations. I mean, if this doesn't describe Cleveland, what does? Old ruins, ruins, former desolations, ruined cities they shall repair, and the desolation of many generations. Whoa, look at verse 9. And the descendants shall be known. These are the descendants of those who are anointed of the Lord. This is your kids and your grandkids. They shall be known among the Gentiles, non-followers of Jesus, and their offspring among the people. All who see them shall acknowledge them and say, they, that family over there, they're the posterity whom the Lord has blessed. It's going to be an obvious, fruitful moment. They're like Joseph, no matter where you put this guy, no matter what desperate situation, whoop, they pop right up. Wow. Wow. When the devil says, like he did to Job, you know, yeah, what happens though if we take everything away from him? Lord pulls the curtain back. Job's there in great pain of losses and everything else. The devil's laughing in heaven, but Job falls down on his face and worships God. Oh, I love making hell unhappy. That's what makes hell unhappy. When you worship in the midst of difficulty, why? You are planted in the things of God. Then the devil came back. If you let me touch his body, I know he would deny you. The Lord says, well, have at it. Boils, terrible thing. And then he gets three friends as a bonus that are not really encouragers. 
Maybe it was the way you were raised. Maybe it was something you did you're not telling us. Maybe, I mean, they had all these ideas. Don't you love it when you're sick with something and someone comes in and tries to help you understand why it happened to you? How about just coming and saying, I'm sorry. Let me pray with you. Let me bless you. Let me love on you. How, how can I love on you? Rather than saying, well, let's try to figure this out. I'm sure you had something to do with this. And so in the midst of all that, what happened? He stands true. I mean, he's, he's human. He's gone through a horrible difficulty. He has one chapter where he says, it'd been better if I had not been born. Why did my mother even conceive me? And why, why did it ever happen? I shouldn't be wiped off of the face of the earth. He had one chapter where he did that. I read it this week. It's very encouraging. So by, the, by the end of it, I'm like, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, I'm with Job. That's terrible. Why did all this stuff happen, you know? But you know what? He rises up. There's a restoration in Job's heart. And because of it, all the fruit of the Lord, what did he got more than double what he had when he first started. The Lord blessed him. There are times you go through difficulty. Stand as a plant that's going to bear fruit. It says in Psalms, it says in Revelation 22, you will bear fruit in and out of season. Why? We are the planting of the Lord. Get planted. Get fitted in Christ. One last verse I'm going to read, and then, then we're done. In fact, stand up, just so you know I'm, I'm, I'm telling you the truth. <laughs> Ephesians 2.19. Remember, I just read Ephesians 2-whatever a minute ago, earlier in a chapter. It flips. But God, but God, but God. God has called you not to just be an attender to this church. We need every one of you. We need your skills. We need your gifts. There are outreaches right now we're not doing because you haven't entered in to say, I want to help you with that. Right. I mean, there's greater things we can do. Honestly, it's dependent upon you. I mean, we do what we can. We try to organize things, bring things about. But if you'll take the step and become fitted and say, you know what? I want to be the planting of the Lord in this place. This is not a perfect place. In fact, I don't like a lot of things about Steve Witt, but, you know, I love Jesus. The band's a little bit loud. That's why I sit in the back. And, you know, I come late. You know, it's shorten the service to the size I really like. I do all those things. But, you know, I do want to see something happen here <laughs> to, to, make this a, to make this a greater thing in God. Well, we need you for that. I mean, we need you to step into a role and say, hey, this, I have this skill. I have this gift. I have this time. I have this situation that I can offer to it. And we have gleaned greatly by that for 25 years. We have had so many magnificent servants. Some get transferred, go to other places, and that's fine. But you're now here. You're the planting of the Lord. We want to turn some things inside out. We want to turn mourning into joy. We want to turn ashes into something beautiful. We want to transform a city. It's still in my heart, you know. I'm 65 in a couple months. i got to sign up for Medicare and all that. I mean, I get to sign up for Medicare and all that. You know, I could easily just say, Cindy, let's get some kayaks and paddle off into the sunset at Hinkley Lake. Wouldn't take very long. It's an abrupt stop on the other side. But what we really want to do is see the fulfillment of what God has promised over and over again that a church of God's dreams will come forth in this city. Specifically talks about race. Racism will not be an issue. Denominational backgrounds will not be an issue. 
people of all faiths coming together under the banner of Jesus Christ, worshiping God, transforming a city for Jesus Christ. So this verse comes later on, and this is it. And then I'm ready to go, Jay. You can go ahead and step up. By the way, Jay, come over here a minute. Jay just got uh, a new role in the church this past couple weeks. He's now on our executive team here at the church, which helps govern all the stuff we do. We're, we're very excited about that. He brings so much to the table. It's been amazing already just in the past couple weeks how he's organizing some of the things that needed organizing and, uh, and just everything he does with worship and pastoring this campus. So Jay's of the same milk. He's doing the same thing. This is what it says in Ephesians 2, though. Jay, listen to this. So remember, they're, they're strangers, they're aliens to the household of God. Paul says this in Ephesians 2.19. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners. I would add nomads. But fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. This is a household of God. Don't be fooled. Walking out in the field is not the household of God. You may be a part of the kingdom of God. But the house of the Lord is something being built with other people. And he says this. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. That means there's leaders here, Jay. Because who are apostles and prophets? They're, they're leaders that are giving designations. Someday you may be one. The apostles and the prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together. Jay, fitted. Kind of like that. Grows into a holy temple in the Lord. So we are individual plants planted by the Lord, planting of the Lord, we're trees of righteousness, but we're also being fitted into a building. The Lord loves to use pictures. Jesus did. God the Father does. Here we are with Paul. Whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple. Listen to this, verse 22. Because at this point, Jay, everyone's thinking, well, yeah, I know, but I'm kind of in a transition. I'm not sure where I'm going to be. Things like that. And it says, and whom you also... You also being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. I just want to invite you right now to come and be a part of this church. I mean, you may move to Utah next month. I don't know. It's not a prophetic word. Montana, a lot of people move to Montana now. It's very expensive though, so you better get in quick. Cleveland is cheap. Right now, buy low, buy low. Plant yourself here. And from this little mountain village called Brunswick Hills, let's speak over the city of Cleveland. Let's declare something. Let's see something great built for the Lord Jesus Christ. So just close your eyes just for a minute. Jay's going to call on some folks to come to Jesus Christ, be a part of this amazing thing. The rest of you, we encourage you, volunteer. This is a volunteer month. We're gearing up for the fall. Find a way online, visit out at the table, and say, okay, how can I help? We have, we have hundreds of ways that you can help us out. We need your help. So check that out after Jay's finished.